Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes. I am your regular host, and Caleb Jenks, my co-host, is not going to be with us today. He is helping out his sister, and they... They're out of town. I think uh, Caleb is uh, with one of his family members who is, I don't want to say sick, but I believe is having a procedure done and he needed to help out with that. So he's not going to be here. So you're just stuck with me for the next hour. And we're kind of going to see how this goes. So please forgive me. What I usually do is I kind of make the introduction, I say hello, and then Caleb takes over for a second. And while he's doing that, I am sharing this info to a couple of places to try to, you know, kind of get people involved. And then Caleb does the same thing, because if you can believe it, even though we've been on air for an entire year, we still don't have the money required to hire a producer who can do these things for us. So <clears throat> we do the best that we can. And that means that um, when I'm by myself, uh, it's a little bit of a cluster whoop. So that's what you're dealing with now. So what we're going to be talking about tonight, or see, I'm saying we, this is terrible. I'm so used to Caleb being here. What I am going to be talking about tonight is an idea in the Bible. And this is a, um, this is a, I don't know what you want to call it. This is a lesson I've taught before. This is a message I've preached before, whatever you want to call it. And this is what the, the title of tonight's lesson is called the standard. So this is an idea that I think far too many Christians don't really think about. I am terribly concerned that most Christians in America today are mostly concerned with going to church and, you know, looking good, showing up, ticking that box. And then from there, not thinking about God, not trying to do anything for God, just trying to get through the week without having to, you know, really uh, approach God. <clears throat> and the reason I have this fear is because I know so many Christians who live this life. I have had times when I've lived this life, any anyone who's been a Christian for, you know, I don't know, a dozen years or more has had times where they have not felt like going to church. They haven't felt like reading their Bible. They haven't felt like praying. They haven't felt like talking to God or spending time with God or really doing anything um, as far as trying to stay close to God and do the will of God. And the Bible calls this being lukewarm. Sometimes we call it being backslidden. So we're in a state where we're not close to God. We're not really, you know, doing what we feel we should. We're in a state where we're not too proud of it. And we kind of hope that maybe the Lord doesn't come and uh, get us, uh, you know, this week or this month or this year, because we're not really in a state where we're very proud of the way that we're acting. So I want to go over this idea. And if this is you, if you are in this place where, you know, 
you're just not happy with where you are. I've been there too. Um, all of us have been there. Uh, I've, I've had times when, man, I just, I do not care. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. I just want to ignore God. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to hear preaching. I don't want to pray to God. I don't want none of it. Just absolutely none of it. And if that's where you are, okay, I'm not going to say that that place is okay. But what I am going to say is um, we've all been there. And if you are simply willing, so you say, man, I don't want to get right with God. I just don't care. That's fine. But do you want to want to get right with God? Because that's all you need. If you're there, then please listen in for this next hour as we go over this idea. Now, forgive me because I am going to be going off of some notes that I have sketched out here to try to keep me on track. And anyone is welcome to, you know, write a little message and check in and, you know, say hello or ask a question. And please, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with those as they come in. If you are watching us live, one of the things you might've noticed is that Patrick has shaved and his beard is gone. And if that has disappointed some of you and you're going to leave the podcast because of it, I understand. I only look like this because of a new line of work that I am trying to get into. I will talk more about that at another time. Right now, let's have a brief word of prayer and we're going to jump in. We're going to talk about this idea. And I I really do hope and pray that this, this little lesson that we're going to talk over in the Bible is one that will help you and that you can share with some other folks and it can help them. And, uh, you know, we just want the world on fire for Jesus. We want the world on fire, reading their Bible and praying and doing something great for God. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so very much for just giving us this opportunity to go over the Bible and to, to be able to read and to pray and to talk about the Bible tonight. And we pray for Caleb and his sister, who he is helping out, and his wife and kiddos as they are traveling away from home. We pray you'd keep them all safe. And God, please speak to us tonight, every single one of us that is listening, whether it's tonight live or whether someone's on uh, listening to the podcast, you know, another day or many years from now, we would ask that you would please speak to them directly and God uh, help uh, us to uh, change our lives, to be more like you, to conform our lives to your image, to be obedient to you and to give up on our own will. Uh, we love you and in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So with that, here we go. All right. Where do we want to start? Okay. So every single Sunday morning, uh, if you go to church, if you go on a Saturday or a Friday or a Wednesday, that's also fine. But, um, you know, just so that most people understand what we're talking about, you show up to church on a Sunday morning. The majority of the people that are there are there because they're supposed to be. They have enough character to be at church, but a lot of folks really don't want to listen to God beyond that. <clears throat> they'll come, but they'll refuse to grow or change. 
And you know what? At the end of the day, God bless those folks. Uh, we'll still take their money because they're going to be able to support a missionary somewhere. And that, you know, that's a great thing. We're not going to kick anyone out of church, right? But what we want is we want a bunch of Christians that are going to have a soft heart and they are going to be open to changing their life to be more like Christ. Uh, good evening, Charles, uh, Caleb. Uh, thank you for chiming in. Good to see you guys here. So, <clears throat> as I said, unfortunately, that group comprises the majority of Christian churches in America today. A lot of folks might as well stay home because if we show up to listen to the preaching of the word of God with a hard heart and a stiff neck to use some Bible terms, it's not going to do us a lot of good. Mark Twain said it best. He said, those who do not read good books have no advantage over those who cannot read them. Well, in the same way, Christians who don't read their Bible and don't pray have no advantage over those who don't even own a Bible. So let's start with a Bible verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I'm not going to write them up here on the screen just because it's too much for me to do, and I'm not that talented. So you can write it down now and look it up later. I promise it's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Did you hear that? We are not supposed to compare ourselves to others sitting next to us in church. We are not wise if we do that. So <clears throat> all of us living contrary to this book need to listen up. Now, every single one of us are living our lives contrary to the word of God to some degree or another. And I hope most of us would agree with that. None of us should be so audacious as to say, nope, not me, preacher. I do everything just by the book. I would certainly never say that. So I believe that the best Christians are those who are simply trying their best. And they're relying on God for power, for guidance, for direction, and for support. Now, from that premise, we can look at why. Why are we living our lives contrary to the Word of God? Well, when we live contrary to the Bible, it seems that we do it for one of a few reasons. So, number one, and this is probably the most popular one, we make a decision to simply disobey the Bible. We understand what the Bible says. We understand that the Bible was written for us to read and to learn and to obey. And we understand that the Bible is supposed to be applied to our lives today and that the teaching in the Bible is personally for us today. And then we simply don't want to do what it says, and we make a conscious decision to disobey God. And you got to remember, folks, okay, this book, this is not a book about God. It's not. This is a book written by God. 
It's very, very different. There are lots of books written about God. You can go to, you know, any bookstore in the world and go to the Christian section. You're going to find a thousand books written about God. There is only one book written by God. Now, another reason why we might disobey the word of God is we're simply ignorant of what the Bible has to say. Now, bear with me as I say that ignorance is not necessarily bad. It can be fixed. We are all in a state of ignorance until we learn. Ignorance just means that we don't know. We were all ignorant of what the Bible said when we first showed up in church. Hopefully, we didn't remain in that state. Hopefully, a whole bunch of us decided to open up the pages of the book and start reading the Bible. And then after that, we, you know, became informed. We moved from a place of ignorance to informed. Now, what we're going to mostly focus on this evening is this reason number one, when we make a decision to disobey the Bible. Now, when any of us make a conscious decision to disobey the word of God, I believe the most popular reason is our perspective. Okay. Who we are comparing ourselves to. Far too many of us compare ourselves to the wrong thing, and that leads us to disaster. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, our verse for the evening that we're going to reference a couple times, it says, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, I want to draw a picture for you. I am not using any visual aids tonight, although I love PowerPoint. I love teaching in front of a whiteboard where I can draw some pictures. And hopefully, maybe this podcast will get there one day. <clears throat> I'm just going to give you an idea. So we're going to set up a spectrum. And on that spectrum, on that line, we're going to have six positions. Okay. So I'm going to give you six verses here to give you an idea of what we're talking about, but I want to just explain to you very simply with any decision you need, you're going to make, you can be anywhere on this spectrum. Now I'm not saying that, you know, these six points are the only places you can be. If you want to make a spectrum and you can find, you know, seven points or three points, well, good for you. Okay. The one that I came up with had six, maybe because I stopped doing my homework and stopped uh, looking for a seventh, <clears throat> seventh idea. Okay. So on this spectrum, all the way to this side over here, you have the Bible. So you have the word of God. Remember, this is the standard. Romans 12, 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's what we're talking about. On this spectrum, you can be all the way over here on the right-hand side, and that is that perfect will of God. All right. That's where we want to be. Don't look to me for how to get there because I fail often. 
Number two, a little bit further over to the left, you can have what is preferred. Now, if you can't land on the perfect will of God, well, this over here is what God prefers. And this we find in Colossians 1.10, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, still very pleasing to God. Uh, it's, it's fruitful. Okay, this is, <clears throat> we're doing something that pleases the Lord. This is, this is good. We're increasing in the knowledge of God. We okay. This is this is a good place to be. It's not the perfect will of God, but you know, I mean, we're human, so here we are. Then we have you keep on moving over to the left a little bit more, and you have level three or number three or position three. I don't care, whatever you want to call it. This is what's acceptable. So <clears throat> Proverbs 10:32 says, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. But the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. So here you have a position where, well, it's okay. That's that's good enough. Now, any of you that have kids can follow this line of thinking. You have the perfect will of the parents. <laughs> then you have what is pleasing, and it is certainly preferred. Now we're into the space of, well, it's acceptable. Okay. No one, you know, you're not getting a parade and a high five for this, but you know, it's, it's good enough. I'm not going to give you a hard time about it. This is what is acceptable. It's not where we want to be as a Christian. It's really not. Okay. I, I don't want my boss to say, well, all of Patrick's work is acceptable. Okay. I want to say, I, I am hoping that my uh, boss in his, you know, annual review of my work would say that everything I do is exceptional. Okay. It is, he is the perfect model employee. Okay. My child is just amazing. They are exceptional. Uh, nobody wants to hear, well, everything you did was acceptable. Next. Okay. It gets worse though. We have the fourth position that a Christian can be in. I hate to, you know, beat up on modern American churches, but I'm gonna, I'm, I do it all the time. It's my favorite thing to cast stones at. And this is <clears throat> the fourth position, what appears evil. Now I use this verse often when I'm preaching and it's first Thessalonians 5:22. It's very simple. I think the verse has six words, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now understand that in this position, you are not technically sinning. The Bible says that where you are is not evil. It appears to be evil. It's not, but it sure looks like it is. So this is the place where, well, I really can't call it sin. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you telling everyone that you're my friend if you're going to live there in position four, but hey, it's not technically evil. It only appears to be evil. It's not real. It's not sinful. It just looks like it probably should be. Okay. And all of us have a Christian friend that lives there or knows somebody that hangs out there. Or you know what? If you don't know anyone that does, maybe you're the one. Okay. This is the place where nobody wants their child to end up. None of the parents want their kid to end up like that guy over there that lives his life in position four, technically not sinning. Could you imagine that Christians today, they say, yep, 
well, technically it's not a sin. What kind of an argument is that? Who on earth wants to live there? Who is proud to hang that banner above their door? Technically not a sin. Put that on a t-shirt. You'd sell lots of them. None of us want to stand before God and make that argument over and over and over again. Now, this is getting way off off topic, but when you get into, when, when the Christian dies, they stand before the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. You can read about this in, I think, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 15. Okay, you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we pass through the fire, okay? This is not a judgment to see if you're saved or not. Everyone that's standing there is saved and going to heaven, but all the things we've done in this life, okay, that are wood, hay, stubble, things that we've done for ourselves, they are not gonna make it into heaven. We're not gonna get any kind of reward. They burn up in the fire. Well, the, the guy that is here, technically not sinful, abstain from all appearance of evil. It's not really evil now. It just appears that way. This is the guy that shows up in heaven without a single reward because that's the standard that he has, you know, um, used throughout his life, not technically sinful. I have this verse written down, so I'm going to read it. I don't know how much it applies. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay, so this verse is talking about where you enter into sin, and sin slows you down, and it makes it difficult to run, and we are to run the race, all right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be running toward God. We're not supposed to be at the back of the line dragging our feet, going as slow as we can. Okay, now we still have two positions to talk about on the spectrum, so let's get to the next one. This is number five. Now, in between four and five, we crossed a line, and that line is a standard for sin. So everything over here, this is clearly uh, rejecting the will of God, being disobedient. We are sinning. We are living in sin. This is not the place we want to be. Number five, these are the things that are evil. Psalm 38 verse 16 says, For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. Do you know that when you stand right on that line between sin and not sin, you're going to end up slipping into sin? Not every time, but it's going to happen. Now, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a while here, but but please understand. You ever been to a, uh, a barbecue, you know, backyard barbecue, and uh, and there's a swimming pool? There's an in-the-ground swimming pool. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm kind of like a cat in the idea that I don't really like getting wet. So I don't want to slip and fall into that pool. I'm not even wearing swim trunks, okay? I'm wearing a pair of jeans and a shirt and some cowboy boots, and I'm eating food coming off that grill, okay? And I don't want to get in that pool. I don't want to fall in that pool. So the easiest way for me to not fall in that pool is to not get near the pool. If I stay a good long ways away from that pool, I'm going to be fine. If I stay in the grass, throw the Frisbee around over there in the grass, not falling in the pool. 
But as soon as I start walking around, you know, that patio next to the pool where all the water splashed and it gets slippery, I stand right on the edge of the pool. That's when I'm going to fall in. I'm going to slip. I'm going to end up in sin. I'm going to be in a mess. So the easiest way for me to stay away from sin is to stay away from sin. Sin happens when desire and opportunity meet. If you never have the opportunity to sin, guess what? You're not going to be able to. You can set up preventative measures to make sure that you never sin in this way or that way. You can do it. We don't always choose to not do it, but we can do it. Okay, finally, position six, all the way over here to the left is position six, and this is what the devil prefers. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. This is what the devil prefers. This is not the Christian that messes up once in a while. This is the person that is doing the will of the devil. They are not obeying God. They are doing what the devil prefers. They are feeding the flesh. This is what our flesh prefers. The devil and the world and our flesh are pulling us uh, in one direction, and we are relinquishing. We are not putting up a fight. We're just doing sin. That's where we are. This is the last place we want to be as a Christian, but every single Christian will find themselves there at some point. Now, if you don't, good for you. You are doing your job. You're doing... you're putting in the work, you're putting in the time, and you're doing what is required to make sure you can remain obedient to God and doing His will. Okay, now pick any subject in your life and you can place it in one of these six areas on the spectrum that we outlined. You take the music you listen to and you'll find that it fits into the spectrum. You take your standards of how you dress and it fits into the spectrum. We all live our lives in one of these areas, and for the most part, our entire life can be summed up into one of these areas. Where we live, our lives, depends on one thing. Who are we comparing ourselves to? So this is really where the rubber meets the road for the Christian, and this is where you're all going to get mad at me, and this is where some of you will turn off this podcast and stop listening. And that's fine. Where are we supposed to compare ourselves to? Well, that's easy. We're supposed to compare ourselves to the word of God, what's written in this book. And that's it. That's where we find our standard. Now, what is the standard for most Christians? Well, for some, it's popular culture. And this is by far and away the most foolish thing we can compare ourselves to, especially today. Popular culture today is insane. Now, all of us look pretty good if we compare ourselves and our lives to the average movie star. 
They're constantly in and out of rehab. They're constantly getting divorced. I just read something about the number of movie stars who divorced their wife for their housekeeper. There were enough of them where they made a list. They don't have Christ or the Bible in their lives. And hopefully we all look good when we compare ourselves to them. Popular culture is in the toilet when you compare it to the word of God. It's a joke. Popular culture says it's okay to murder babies and call it abortion. Who would have ever thought we would have got here? Popular culture says to hand out condoms to children in seventh grade and encourage them to experiment with their sexuality. Now, the Bible calls it an abomination. Just to be clear, <clears throat> homosexuality is disgusting, it's perverted, it's sickening to God, and God hates it. And you are never going to hear me roll over and make that perversion sound soft or acceptable. It is absolutely vile, and it is the Christian who accepts it that is destroying our country. The Christian that is not willing to stand up and make the Bible and God the standard. The Christian that says, no problem with it. <clears throat> More of a problem than the queers are those who don't want them preached against. Christians who call themselves Christians and get upset when the Bible is quoted are the problem. And I've heard it all. Well, you'll offend them. I want to offend them. I want to offend anyone who performs any type of sexual perversion written in the Bible. They should be offended when I express my opinion, especially when I'm quoting from the Bible. When I'm telling you exactly what the Bible says, you should be offended. And those that support such wicked, horrible lifestyles should be offended. It is sin. It is abominable to God. He hates it. If I ever get preaching against queers, I don't just happen to say some things that might make people mad. I want everyone to know that Patrick Hayes, an ordained preacher, thinks that the sin of sodomy is disgusting and it's wicked and I hate it. Now, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Do you know that my attitude is soft? Do you know that the Bible calls it an abomination? Do you know that God labels it a capital crime? Leviticus chapter 20 verse 13 says to drag them out of the city and bludgeon them to death with big stinking rocks. The verse before Leviticus 18.22, where it condemns them, it says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. The verse before that says not to light your children on fire 
as a sacrifice to pagan idols. And the verse directly after it says not to have sex with farm animals. That's what God thinks of queers. And people get upset at me for holding to the standard of the Bible? Read a history book. Do you know that William Bradford got off the Mayflower with 40 pilgrims? They set up a form of government and wrote out the Mayflower Compact. And when they did that, do you know that there were exactly four capital crimes, four things that, that if you were caught doing, okay, they would execute you? And did you know that one of those four was sodomy? The only reason people don't feel exactly the same way as I do about this subject is because they don't compare the sin to the Bible. You believe that a, a lost and perverted world tells you instead of God himself. That's the standard where we're at. Now, does Patrick Hayes actually feel this way about homosexuality? No. No, I'm actually much more serious in my stance against it. Okay, but for the fear of driving everyone away in a five-minute tirade, I have calmed myself down and kind of pulled back a little bit because I didn't want to tell you exactly how I really feel about it. Now, here's the question. After covering all that, are you still going to listen? After going over all that, are you going to turn off this podcast? Because my stance on a subject is actually less than God's, but my stance is stronger than your own. See, the reason I make this little tirade is to make a point. God has a standard, and the world, including most Christians, have accepted sin that God hates, and they call it normal. American Christians call it not a big deal. Oh, I go to a real progressive church where we have, we have a queer pastor. It's not that big a deal. You misunderstand the Bible. You're an idiot. Can I just say that? You're an idiot. You've either never read the Bible or you are an idiot if you have those beliefs. It is unbelievable to me that someone can read the clear teaching of the Word of God and come up with that as their conclusion. It is a capital crime in the eyes of God. Now, why did I pick this? I picked this because there is no sin that is more supported by the agenda of the mainstream media and by Hollywood, by every movie and TV show and, and, and radio program, and all the different people that are popular, that are famous in the world are constantly making this big to-do about trying to make uh, a horrible sexual perversion normalized. It's constant. That's the reason that I picked this one, is because God has a standard. And what I want to know is, where do you find yourself? How offended were you by the last, I don't know, five minutes of me talking? Because if your standard is the word of God, 
then really the only thing that should have been coming to your mind every now and again was, amen, preacher. For those of you that are still with me, I've got more. Our spouse and our family. A lot of Christians compare ourselves to people who are close to them. The idea is that the blood that runs through our veins is stronger of a bond than the blood that was shed at Calvary to save my soul. And I'm just going to beat up on men for a minute. Men, it is a shame unto us when we have lower standards than our wives. God has put us in a position of leadership in the home where we are supposed to get out in front and lead. We are supposed to wave the banner of Christ. We are supposed to read the Bible and pray with our families. We are the one that is supposed to make sure we all uh, get up early in the morning and go to church and worship God together. We're the ones that are supposed to be leading the family spiritually as well as in other ways. It's a shame when we compromise on what we know to be true to avoid conflict with our parents or our in-laws. It is a shame unto us men when we base our standards on what is acceptable to our wives rather than the clear teaching of the Word of God. Do you know how many men I've talked to that all they want is to not have any confrontation with their wives or their in-laws or their parents? Those men are called cowards. They are not willing to stand up and be men, and what they need to do is they need to go get in their car, I'd say truck, but I know you're not driving a truck if, if you're the type of guy that I'm talking about here. And you need to drive off to the store and buy yourself a backbone. There's so many of us that allow alcohol into our home and drunkenness. We allow drugs into our home. We allow sexual perversion into our home. And instead of saying, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes, I hate the work of them that turn aside, it shall not cleave to me. That was Psalm 101 verse 3. Instead, we say, well, my wife's okay with it, so it must be okay. And you know what's a shame is that your wife and your kids are going to stand before God one day and answer for the actions in their lives. But you are going to stand before God one day, father, husband, and you are going to answer for the actions in your lives and the actions of your wife and your children, because you were the leader and you were the one that permitted such sin to be in your home. If you base your standards on those you love rather than the one who loved you enough to die and give his own life for yours, then your life is a mess. You are leading your wife and your children astray, and it is only because of your cowardice. And you have to understand that you're not just ruining your life by compromising the standards in the Bible. You are ruining the lives of your wife and children as well. 
Okay, now I'm going to get to the easier stuff since we've lost all of our listeners by this point. If you're still with us, I applaud you. <clears throat> Christians and church leadership. Now, one of my biggest fears is one of the biggest facts in Christianity, and it is the idea that our local church, our pastor, our leadership is the standard for Christianity, and it is not. People compare themselves to a standard that is so much lower than what Christ commands us to be. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And people in shock exclaim, Patrick, surely God doesn't ask us to be perfect. Yes, he does. That's why he said it. And if you use your church or the leadership of your church as the standard by which you judge yourself, then you are certainly not living up to God's standards. And it is such a shame that Christians, they find comfort in saying, well, I only do what my pastor considers to be okay. Well, I'm pretty good compared to everyone else in my church. Well, I'm doing fine when you look at my pastor and the leadership of the church that I go to. Friends, tell me where God ever said to compare yourself and your actions and your behavior and your lifestyle to that of your pastor and of your church and the leadership you find there. That is not what we are commanded to do. We are commanded to have a higher standard. Our standard is the word of God, and it is Christ, and that's it. We have to stop using other things as a standard. Now, I'm going to explain a biblical concept to you that you must understand in order to have a successful Christian life. Here we go. This concept involves the second law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics is an expression of the universal principle of increasing entropy within a closed system. The second law of thermodynamics specifically has to do with heat transfer. <clears throat> it basically says that unless heat is added to a closed system, it will eventually cool down to its surrounding temperature. Now, this we see happen daily in our life. If you pour yourself a hot cup of coffee in the morning, then you let it sit on the table, it will eventually cool down to what we call room temperature. Now, the only way to keep that coffee hot is adding energy to it. This energy would obviously be in the form of heat. Well, if you take a fiery preacher and you set him out on the pulpit, he will eventually become room temperature. The Bible calls this temperature lukewarm. And Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Those of you that are lukewarm make me want to throw up. Most preachers and teachers of the Bible don't understand that left to themselves, they will naturally go liberal. They will get soft. They will compromise. So you must make constant and consistent effort to stay conservative, to stay fundamental. 
No one has ever had to guard against conservatism. It doesn't sneak up on people and overwhelm them. No one has to fear becoming fundamental. It doesn't naturally happen. You have to make a constant decision and put a great deal of effort into staying conservative and being old-fashioned. It takes work to obey the Bible and not compromise. Just like you have to constantly add heat to that coffee, you constantly have to add fire to your life to stay right with God. The only way you can coast is downhill. Now, that is why if you use your church, your pastor, or any of the leadership as your standard for judging your walk with God, you will fall short of God's desire in your life. Why? Because naturally, every church and its leadership will become more and more liberal as time goes on. It takes consistent, it takes constant effort <clears throat> to remain conservative, to remain principled, to be unwavering. This is one of the reasons I will always be thought of as the mean preacher. Not because I'm actually mean. As a matter of fact, if you ever do any reading, you find out that I'm pretty soft and mild and tame when you compare me to just about every preacher prior to 1950. As you go back in time, I seem to be increasingly softer all the way up to John the Baptist and our Lord Jesus Christ. But you watch over the course of your lifetime, preachers will only get softer and softer. They will not naturally get harder and harder. Uh, institutions in general and churches across the country become more and more liberal as time goes on. That's just the way things work. You can guard against it, but it takes effort and people get tired of fighting. That's what happens. The Word of God. Finally, we can compare ourselves to the Word of God. And this is what we're trying to get down to the whole time. This is the point of the whole message. And we're almost done here. Got about 10 minutes left. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. See, that's the whole problem. When you get the word of God, do you receive it as the word of God or do you take it as the word of men? When you read the Bible, you will receive it as words about God or you will receive it as the word of God. Either it's a book about God or it's a book that God wrote. So, <clears throat> all the way over here to the one side of our spectrum is the only thing we're supposed to use as a standard, and that is the Word of God. That's it, every time. When we compare ourselves to something, the Bible tells us to use nothing but the Bible. It's the only thing we're supposed to compare ourselves to. Now, I don't remember what preacher came up with this idea. It wasn't me. But it's called the Desert Island Challenge. 
if you were on a desert island, it was only you and a palm tree, some coconuts, and a King James Bible, how would you view the world? If you didn't have the media or newspapers or TV or your friends or your family, if you didn't have liberal Christian friends in your church, your neighbors, your coworkers to influence you, what would you believe? I guarantee it would be very different than what you do believe. Now, how would that affect your TV watching habits? How would that affect your internet habits? How would that affect your music habits? If you only had a King James Bible on a desert island, how would that affect your clothes wearing habits? What about the language you use or the substances you use? What about friends you have and the places you go and the things that you do? What would change in our life if we only had our Bible and no other influences to distract us from following God? Our life would be different. That's the point. I know some women that would change the way they dress if they were honest with themselves. I know some guys that would stop looking at and stop listening to some things if they took the desert island challenge. And I dead sure know a whole bunch of people who know they are supposed to be serving God in some way. We don't do that. For whatever reason, maybe it's fear, we don't talk to our neighbors about Jesus. We don't talk to our customers or our family about Jesus. But friends, hell is hot and it is forever. And the last thing Jesus said, both in the book of Acts and in the book of Matthew, was that we are to get the gospel to the whole world. Nothing else matters. The other option is we can just ignore the still small voice of God. We can continue how we were. We can figure out some excuse and keep on living the same way we are until the next message that comes along where we have to deal with sin. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The antonym of wisdom is foolishness. So if I compare a standard to anything other than the Bible, God considers me a fool. Now, I have a few more minutes to burn, so I'm going to give you one more idea. I'm going to set the Bible aside, and I'm going to go over this idea that I call <clears throat> an arm's length away. Instead of comparing our lives to the Bible, instead of comparing our behavior to the Bible, we look around us and we look at the world and we say, oh, look at that. The world's over there and the world. I'm not going to do what they're doing. I'm just not. I'm a Christian. I ain't going to do it. But instead of walking over here and getting close to God, we say, well, I'm just going to keep an arm's length away from the world. That's good. Okay. I'm not doing what they're doing. Problem is, friends, the world gets worse and worse. And they keep sliding downhill. 
And all of a sudden, if we keep ourselves an arm's length away from the world, then all of a sudden, where do we find ourselves? Well, 10 years from now, we find ourselves standing where the world was. Now they've slidden downhill as well. They're 10 years further down the hill. But where are we? Well, we're an arm's length away from the world. But the problem is 10 years ago, we said, no, 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 I'm not going to do what the world does. See that? That's not okay. I'm a Christian. I don't do what the world does. So I'm going to stay an arm's length away. That's a good, safe distance to be. And then 10 years goes by and the world slides downhill even further. And then all of a sudden we look and we say, wait a minute, where I am and what I'm doing, this was considered to be wicked by the world standard 20 or 30 years ago. That's why we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. We don't, God help you if you ever compare yourself to me as a standard of righteousness. We are supposed to compare ourselves to the word of God all the way over here. Not your favorite pastor, not your favorite preacher, not the leadership at your church, not your Christian friends, okay? not your family, not your in-laws. We are only supposed to compare ourselves to the word of God. That is the only safe place to be. We need to take the desert island challenge and we need to say, you know what, from now on, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do it every day. And when God speaks to me and God tells me I got to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing it. That's it. No discussion, no thinking about it. I'm just done with it. And I'm going to read my Bible. And when God says I need to start doing this thing, I'm just going to do it. That's it. I'm done with it. Okay. I am no longer debating it. I am no longer considering it. God said to do it. I'm going to do it. That's it. It's not an easy life. It's not a popular life. It's not always a fun life or it dead sure ain't a comfortable life. How, what do you really think that I would enjoy myself at a cocktail party? I'm a nightmare. Anytime I go to a, a, a anytime I'm at any gathering, my wife is only thinking one thing, boy, I hope he just keeps his mouth shut because that is my biggest struggle. When I run into asinine stupidity, I just can't help but open my mouth and say something. And the worst thing that I could ever do is be around a big group of Christians because, man, I can get into a fight quick. And it's <laughs> it's entertaining. Uh, um, <laughs> it's probably entertaining if you're not related to me. Folks, I do hope and pray that you would consider this and think about making the Bible and only the Bible your standard. Have a word of prayer and we'll be out. God, thank you so much for this hour. God, I hope that this can be a blessing to somebody. I pray, Lord, that you will be glorified and magnified and your word will be held up in this little message that we went over. I love you, Lord, and I'm thankful um, for your word. And I pray that you would keep me just close-minded, stubborn, tenacious, you know, unwavering.
in my belief about the word of God, God, I never want to get liberal. I never want to compromise just for ease and comfort. God, please help me to make a stance in my own life, if nothing else, for the word of God. We love you. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody, join us next Sunday. Caleb will be back. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about, but it will not be Patrick being such a mean preacher, I promise. If you enjoyed this, please get on Spotify or Google Play or iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Find Bible Thumper, download some episodes, listen to them, share them around. That would be a great help to us. And if you are listening on a podcast format, you can also find us on Facebook every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 8 p.m. Central. And you can watch the video live. You can comment or ask questions and be a part of the discussion. And you can search for us on Facebook at, uh, I think it's at Bible Thumper 1611. You just type that into the search bar and we'll come right up. So find us. We are Bible Thumper and we appreciate you guys sticking around. Have a great rest of your week.